the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. But Joseph died. And in the period after Joseph's death, the children of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, they became slaves in Egypt. And 70 years after Joseph's death, a little baby was born, and his name was Moses. And Moses would encounter God at a burning bush, and God would tell him, Moses, your special calling in life is to set my people free. Your special calling in life is to take these children of Israel out of slavery and lead them into what? The promised land. Who was it promised to? Abram, Abraham, right? So you see how it's all weaving together? And Moses and that generation would sin. But guess what? Even though they didn't make it into the promised land, the next generation led by Joshua and Caleb, they would go into the land of what? Canaan, the same land that God referred to with Abram, they would go into the land of Canaan where the Canaanites were and they would enter into the promised land, the land that was flowing with milk and honey, this wonderful land that God was given to his people. But it didn't take long for God's people to become disobedient and rebellious. And as you look at the scriptures That's what you see again and again and again. It's kind of like us looking in the mirror, right? We have good days where we're walking with God, and then we have bad days where we're like, who are we? We're like the Apostle Paul. I don't do the things I know I should do, and I do the things I know I shouldn't do. And that's the story of the children of Israel. So they're crying out to God for leaders, and so God gives them judges, and they don't like the judges, and they cry out for a king. So God gives them a king, first a king named Saul, then a king named David, then a king named Solomon. And Solomon would come along, and it's almost a thousand years after Abram. That's the time that's passed. Solomon would come along, and he would build that first temple. And God's people there in Jerusalem would worship at the temple built by Solomon. But Solomon was the last good king. After Solomon, the children of Israel, they had a civil war. They divided. The people that lived in the north, they kept the name Israel. The people who lived in the south, they they began to go by the name of Judah. And Judah would have some good kings, but Israel wouldn't even have any good kings. And this began the time where trouble began to happen to the Jews. Because it would be just a couple of hundred years later, In 732, the the Jewish people began to be scattered 
and we call that the first diaspora. In 586, Solomon's temple would be destroyed as Nebuchadnezzar would come in and take Daniel and people like him into Babylon, and the Jews would be scattered even more. And then after that, the promise that Jeremiah gave was fulfilled. And so after that, under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah, the temple walls in Jerusalem began to be rebuilt, and the temple was ultimately restored. And that's the temple that Jesus taught in. That's why I love to go to Israel today, because you could stand there on the southern steps of that temple and know that this is where Jesus stood. This is where Paul preached from. You could look around and, and see that this is a place near where Jesus ascended into heaven, and right around here is where Scripture says Jesus will come again. But in 70 A.D., so 70 years after the birth of Christ, that second temple was destroyed. And since that time, the Jewish people have been dispersed all over the globe. Today, on that temple mount where the two temples used to sit, sits the most sacred mosque in the world. It's called the Dome of the Rock. If you see a picture of Israel and you see that big gold dome, that, that's not a temple or a, a Jewish or Christian place of worship. That's a mosque. And that part of Jerusalem is controlled by the Muslim people. And from that point in 70 A.D., when the Roman Empire came in and destroyed Jerusalem, Jews were scattered around the world. A guy named Hadrian renamed the place. No longer would they be known by Israel. They were going to be known by a different name. He would call it Palestina. He would get this because he was naming it after the Philistines. That little stretch that we call the Gaza Strip today, that's where David would have gone to fight the Philistines. And so this man named Hadrian renamed that Palestine. Palestinians of today were not really there in that area at that time. He was naming it because of that connection with Philistine. He also said this. He renamed Jerusalem. And in that first century, he said, no one will ever utter the name Jerusalem again. (laughs) He was wrong because Jerusalem still stands today. From that time until the 1900s, the land of Israel was occupied by countless people. The longest period of time, it was occupied by the Ottoman Turks, not the Palestinians of today. This continued until 1917, after World War I, when British came in, the British Empire, and took over the Turkish Empire that was there, and they began to occupy that territory. But in doing so, the British recognized that this was the homeland of the Jewish people. And so they declared what was known as the Balfour Declaration, and they named Palestine an area that was safe for the Jewish people, the rightful home of the Jews. But this did not reach its full potential until 1948. After World War II, after the Holocaust that killed 6 million Jews, the League of Nations, the forerunner to what we today call the United Nations, they declared that Israel was its own nation-state not unusual. We're a church made up of people from about 70 nations. Some of your nations have changed their names throughout history. They've been changed because of of different leadership or, or different takeovers. So in 1948, Israel was declared a nation state. And instantly, 
The Muslims who had been a part of that land began to fight this. When this nation was born and recognized by the United Nations, there were about 650,000 Jews in the land. Just enough people to inhabit a large city in our country. You know what they were surrounded with? They were surrounded with, this is in 1948, 40 million Arabs. 40 million people who vowed and declared from the moment they came into existence that they would be driven into the sea and destroyed. So when you hear people chant today, from the river to the sea, they're not declaring, give us some of our land. They're declaring, we want the Jewish people gone completely. When you see that acts of terrorism are performed by Hamas, you understand that this is a radical group of terrorists who have as their goal the death of all Jewish people and the destruction of the Jewish nation. This changed overnight. Just before Israel became a nation, a Jew could be arrested if they carried a gun. This week on Facebook, I saw that one of our guides from Israel has been put in charge of his small town. Iran is his name. He's been put in charge of his small town just south of Lebanon and in the northern part of Israel. And they're making sure everybody in the town is armed to protect themselves. The Jews have worked hard to protect this land. When Arabs begin to attack from every direction, from Iraq and Lebanon and Syria and Egypt, they attack back with fierceness and might that you could not imagine. Miracle after miracle happened. Like in 1967, the famous war that's called the Six-Day War. They were outnumbered 80 to 1. And yet in six days, the small nation of Israel defeated Egypt, Syria, and Jordan. And when the war was finished, they had amassed three times the land that they originally began with. Today, with a small population comparatively in the world, it's the third largest, third strongest military power in the world and the only Middle Eastern nation that produces its own tanks and planes and weapons. All of this for a little nation the size of New Jersey, a nation one-nineteenth the size of California, and a nation that if you could lift it off the map, could sit in the peninsula of our state, Florida, from Orlando to Miami. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Because I want you to understand the providence of God. Listen to what this bishop, the Bishop of Bristol, Thomas Newton, said in the 1700s. So about 300 years before Adolf Hitler. The preservation of Jews is really one of the most single and illustrative acts of divine providence. And what but a supernatural power could have preserved them in such a manner as none other nation upon earth had been preserved. Nor is the providence of God less remarkable in the destruction of their enemies than in their preservation. We see that great empires, which in their turn subdued and oppressed the people of God, are all come to ruin. And if such hath been the fatal end of the enemies and oppressors of the Jews, let it serve as a warning to all those who at any time, on any occasion, are for the raising of clamor and persecution against them. You see, the Jewish people in this land of Israel are a special part of God's forever plan. That doesn't mean they can do whatever they want without consequence. No, today's decisions always have consequences tomorrow. But it does mean that when God says, I'm going to bless those who bless them and curse those who curse them, he hasn't changed his mind. For example, just uh, 
Just think about the Third Reich. Think about how Germany looked after World War II. It's still not rebuilt in the way that it was. Think about where Nebuchadnezzar was. Think about how we read in the news about Babylon. Oh, no, Babylon doesn't exist today, do they? What about that Roman Empire that destroyed the second temple and they came in and they took away the name of Israel and Jerusalem? You know, there is no Roman Empire today. No, there's something about the providential hand of God. So we've talked about people, promises, purposes, and providence. But I want you to see where it all comes together. And that's a pathway. God always has made a pathway for his people. See, it's not just Abram that God made a covenant with. We're here today because we are God's covenant people. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy to Abram. We've been grafted into the family. Except for a few of us in here, most of us are Gentiles. And yet God grafted us into his family. We've been made a part of his family in a special covenant because Jesus said, I I bring to you a new covenant, not a covenant with all these laws, but a covenant that is sealed with my blood. See, the death of Jesus on the cross for our sins and his resurrection from the grave, it sealed that covenant that God made with us. See, the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to Abram is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul would say this in Romans 11. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all of Israel will be saved. As it's written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. See, Paul was a Jew. He understood as a Jew this covenant with Abraham. But he understood that Jesus was the fulfillment of that covenant. That he was the pathway that God made available to everybody. Do you hear what he said about the Jewish people? That helps you understand what's going on today. I've told you how these people in this land are very special. But I also need you to understand this. that The Jewish people of today... They're not the people of faith that we read about in Scripture. In fact, there's a word that we read there in that passage that I just read from Romans. Zion, they're people of Zion. The Jews of today are primarily Zionist. They are proud of their land. They're proud of that heritage, but they've rejected the Messiah. They've rejected the pathway. And so as we watch the news, we do so with broken hearts because while there are some Jews who have followed Christ and there are some Palestinians who have followed Christ, the, re- the reality is all of that region is made up of people who desperately need the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to know the pathway. They need to walk with Jesus. They need to understand true faith. And Paul As he would journey, he would always go to the synagogue first, first to the Jews. And then he would regularly share this message like he did in Galatians 3. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. 
scripture for Saul that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. And all nations, he said, will be blessed by you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are still under a curse, as it's written. Cursed is everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on just the law is justified before God. Because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Did you hear that? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's a good place to celebrate, church. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He who knew no sin became sin. That's what the Bible says. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. That's the promise that we have today. Regardless of the family you were born into, you can be a part of the family of God through Jesus Christ. So where do we go from here? How does a committed Christ follower look at what's going on in this world? What should we do? Should we hop on an airplane and go to Israel? I wouldn't suggest that today, though I hope to go, maybe even in a few months. I, I love being in the land where my Savior walked. But there are some things you can do today. Number one, in obedience to Scripture, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You heard my friend Robert do that earlier in the service. Why do we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Because Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem. And we want that area to be at peace. Psalms 122 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. So we want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Secondly, in light of scripture, we pray that all would come to know Christ. Did you know there are people on the ground in Israel right now? Some are Messianic Jews. Some are Palestinian Christians. Some are just missionaries from all over the world. But there are people on the ground right now that are not running away but they're using this moment as an opportunity to point people to the hope of the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Did you know that at least four days a week, and on Wednesday, two different times during the day, we have many Muslim background individuals and quite a few Palestinians that come onto this campus. And here's what we know. The only hope for them is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in light of Scripture, we pray that all would come to know Christ. Why? Because Allah is not the same God that we worship. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we want to pray that others come to know Jesus. And then thirdly, in obedience to Scripture, we want to make sure we're ready. Oh, I want to be ready. Ready for what? I read this in my Bible reading this week. Are you familiar with this? 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive are left to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. What does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches us that Jesus is coming again. 
Jesus is coming again. Oh, Christ follower, if you follow the things of Scripture, but you don't hold on to that scriptural truth, you're no different than the Pharisees or the Sadducees of Jesus' day who did not hope in the coming Messiah. We've got the promise that Jesus is coming again. If anything in Scripture is true, Jesus is coming again. Okay, pastor, when's that happening? Well, there's some debate about that. In fact, there's confusion even about the verse I just read. Is that describing the rapture? The rapture is, is a word that literally comes from a Latin word that means caught up. So when it says that we'll be caught up with him in the air, does that mean like many believe that the church will be raptured, that before Jesus comes back with the church, he'll come back to get the church? That's kind of what I've grown up believing, and I, I'm okay with that. But I, I've got good friends and very committed followers of Jesus that, Say, I'm not sure that's what that means, that that's what's going to happen. But here's what we know. He is coming again. He is coming again. So what do we do? When's that going to happen? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. That's one of those passages that kind of confound me, to be honest with you. Jesus is saying, I can't even tell you when that's going to happen. So what do you do? Verse 42, therefore keep watch because you don't know what day your Lord will come. Did you hear that? It could be today. As I read the Bible, there's nothing left that has to happen in Scripture for Jesus to return. There's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled for Jesus to return. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be in our lifetime or we could be like the Apostle Paul who I believe was convinced it was going to be in his lifetime And he's been dead quite a while. So then Jesus went on to say in verse 43, understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would not, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come in an hour when you do not expect them. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? who the master puts in charge of the servants in the house to give them food at the proper time. It'll be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Let me just give you three things before we pray. If you're a Christ follower, you need to be expectant. Be watchful. Man, I don't know when this is going to happen, but could we be closer? No, we are closer. (laughs) We're closer today than we were yesterday. And as I look at the signs of the time, are there wars and rumors of war? Are there natural disasters? You better believe it. I want to be expectant. Secondly, be ready. If you're a Christ follower, be ready. Why would you... Live as if you're going to hell when you know you're going to heaven. And if there's some habitual sins or some disobedience in your life, stop it. And just think this way. Go back to when you were a child and you were doing something you shouldn't have been doing and you're thinking, I hope my parents don't find out. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be caught doing something I shouldn't be doing if he could come back at any time. 
I want to live ready. And for some of you, that means to be, you need, that means you need to start being obedient. You're not living like a Christ follower. You've, you've trusted him with your salvation, but you're not growing in sanctification. You're not getting in the word. You're not being a faithful steward financially. You're not sharing your faith with other people. You're not being a disciple who makes disciples. So start getting ready. Number three, be faithful. Because when you hear what I just said, it can be kind of overwhelming. Just wake up every day and before your feet hit the floor, when your head bounces off that pillow, just say, God, I just want to be faithful following you today. Because as Jesus said, it's good for that person who was found faithful. Jesus is coming again. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.